0: Sean, Sherrell, we good?
1: I can hear you. We're doing doing well. Enjoy seeing Sherelle's uh, backyard.
0: All right, I got a nod from Sean. I got a nod from Sherrell. I think the people who, uh, I think people who are online have got us. Um, good stuff. I think we're, uh, we're ready to roll. And we're thankful for everybody who's here tonight joining us live. Hey, if you are not joining us live and you're listening to it later on, we appreciate you just as well. Um, I'm just incredibly... Incredibly grateful to be talking to you guys. Holiday weekend, a lot going on. We want to start off just saying how much we appreciate those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for, uh, for this country. Um, I know Sherelle's got a, a deep tie to the military. He and I both grew up next to Fort Bragg. And uh, I might be speaking out of school here, but I know that Sherelle has not forgotten. Um, and we are, uh, we're very grateful for all those who have served and, uh, and have given their life uh, for our freedom so that we can do podcasts like this. Uh, joining you here on a Memorial Day weekend, coast to coast. Thanks to everybody who's already in the chat. You guys are amazing joining us on a, a holiday night. <music> lot to talk about. We were, a full confession, we were going to do this last week. I uh, decided not to because it was just a dearth of information. And I know y'all love Sherelle and Sean, but y'all didn't want to look at my mug for a full hour just, you know, prattling on. So uh, we decided to cancel because we actually do have stuff to talk about this week. And without further ado, shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. Um, shout out to uh, Sherelle and Sean for being a part of the show. Sherelle McMillan, how you feeling?
2: I'm better now that. I'm unmuted, but I'm ready to go. It's been a while since we've all been together. so
0: It has been, man. It, it really has been. Sean, how are you doing, dude?
1: I'm doing well. Excited to be back since I was not on the, the last one uh, with you guys and, and Travis. So excited to be back with the crew. Yeah,
0: well, you know, we, we're, we're not the same without you. I can
1: say that. I have no
0: problem saying that. Um, shoot, my headset's deciding to get all wacky. Um, so let's get off and rolling. Uh producer John has, has cruised in and given us kind of a little bit of a blessing to deal with our hiccups. Um appreciate the patience. First things first, guys. Uh Sherelle, you broke it last week. Jaron Stevenson uh from C4th. Uh he is in the 24 class, big kid, power forward. Um he's taking an official to UNC tomorrow. He has been to campus many times, but I want you to tell everybody what is tomorrow's official going to be like for the young man the program and potentially his parents can assume they're going to join him since it isn't official
2: yeah so it's funny because they are uh, en route back from Memphis from this final I guess you call it regular season EYBL session uh, so one of the advantages of living you know 10 15 minutes from Carolina is that you can get home at 11 o'clock on a Monday night a holiday Monday night and be on campus you know uh, early afternoon on Tuesday. And that's the plan for Stevenson. And I think, as you said, probably maybe only Brandon Ingram or or Leakey took more unofficial visits to Carolina than Stevenson, but he he might hold the record. I wish we could look it up. Uh, But I think this is kind of a chance for UNC to give like a closing argument. Um, Don't know of any more visits on the schedule for Stevenson. Uh, He was at Georgetown way back in the fall. He's been to Missouri for an official visit. He's taken unofficial visits to a few other local schools and he also took an unofficial I believe to Alabama um, within the last month so uh, excuse me he took a uh, multiple trips to Virginia too so things are starting to wind down in his recruitment and it seems like Carolina has the last at bat so to speak with this official visit so I think it's just their chance to say hey you know we we offered you way back in October <laughs> 2021 Heber Davis hadn't coached the game yet as a head coach when Stevenson got an offer um, so I think that's the message is that they've been after him as long as anyone and they really want him and they'll take him in whichever class he decides to come.
0: Sean, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, Well, not really first. first. (laughs) Live thing has got me, y'all. Real talk. Like this live thing is just your your boy is struggling tonight. Um, Sean, I want to ask you, what are the assets in Stevenson's game? Again, a 24 class member right now. But I want you to just give me a straight-up analysis of what are his strengths right now and then what might be his deficits. You know, again, this only matters. We'll talk about the reclass here in a second, but just talk about right now, if he were to set foot on campus tomorrow. So, like, assuming he plays pickup with whatever guys are on campus, I don't even know if that's legal or not. But assuming he plays pickup, what is he going to show strength-wise? And what's he going to show that he probably needs to work on?
1: (laughs) Uh, Strength-wise, I I think he, you know, Six, six, eight, six, nine. He's going to be that uh, stretch four. Not not so much from a shooting perspective, but from a, a slashing, being able to handle the ball a little bit, and just more the modern, modern type of big. Um, you know, I think he would be able to to just from a, a size perspective. I think he'd be able to handle the pickup games um, in terms of grabbing the grabbing rebounds uh, both offensively and defensively, attacking the basket, uh, lobs, etc. I think. You know, right now, 2024 is a top 20 player uh, playing on the EYBL. I had a really good uh, session in Memphis, but prior to that, had had struggled. wasn't the strongest of competition uh, throughout the high school season. So, I do think, uh, you know, next year in college, I personally would not have high expectations. Almost looking at it as a, a redshirt year where you do get to to scrimmage and and play. So, you know, it's not like it's Will Shaver where, you know, you're probably not getting off the bench, but um, I, I think he's still probably a year away from really, really developing and, and being that five-star prospect. But I think, you know, if, if the, if all the expectations are aligned and people aren't assuming a one and done, I think just the development, um, can be exponential this year in terms of, of his growth. Uh, I think we mentioned the stretch four, obviously the stretch, you should be able to shoot, uh, you know, he's able to. He's able to let him fly, but in terms of his percentage, whether that's in high school or college, uh, definitely needs some work. I think in, in EYBL, it was in the the low 20s. Um, and, and high school, just watching some of the games and the form, that part definitely needs work. But once again, he has size, um, athleticism, and there's a reason that he was the first player offered in this, in this class. Let so, me jump in just to give you the stat, uh, yeah, sure. Joey. Uh, eight for
2: 41 from three-point in EYBL sessions through today.
0: That is, uh, that is not, not good, Bob. Um, but, uh, again, you know, he's not a finished product, uh, as most kids at his age are not. Sean, I want to ask you this. I think a lot of kids, um, when you start thinking about them potentially reclassing or moving up, uh, there's a lot of difference between a kid at his age and then a kid that's you know, finishing high school and ready to, go in, ready to go into college. But specifically, there are some nuances with each position that you can tell a difference in between – you know, what would be a a rising senior or a rising college freshman. Can you talk about those a little bit?
1: I mean, I think it's going to be really challenging in in general, just from a reclass perspective. We've talked about it a lot. We talked mostly about Elliot Godot and why he – why we think he is ready, even though there are going to be, if he were to reclass, adjustments to his game. But, uh, you know, we saw Gigi Jackson last year – You know, different circumstance where he was really one of the go-to guys, but he was the number one player in the class. Um, You know, put up good, you know, some solid points and rebounds, but was extremely inefficient. And I think, you know, looking at Stevenson and just that position in general, the four, you know, four or five. um, I think just from a a strength perspective, there's going to be a a big adjustment as well as the speed of the game. Uh, You know, going from from small school basketball in North Carolina to ACC, you know, really what what people are hoping, you know, can be a top, top 5, 10, 15 team, however you want to look at it. So I think the speed of the game, you know, the strength, and then what are those skill sets? Elliot Cadeau has a very specific skill set that we know um, or that we think should translate very easily. But a lot of times that skill set on these players that are reclassing up, um, unless you are this out of world talent, it it does take time to adjust in general as well as improve and i think right now he is strong in a lot of areas but he's he doesn't excel um and i think that part um that improvement area is what's going to kind of keep keep should keep those expectations um balanced and and realistic and not not expect him to set the world on fire but then again you know ideally in when he should be entering as a freshman, he's much ahead of where he you know, he's much farther ahead of where he would have been based on getting that adjustment, working on the skill game, um, getting stronger, et cetera. So I think all of us on on this are not usually fans of reclasses up, um, especially at this point in the in the season or the this you know, we're talking early May, early June. Um, so there's there's exceptions, but I think in general it it's tough.
0: Shrill what does that sound like? Like, what does that, the, the reclass conversation with, with Jaron Stevenson sound like versus what it might sound like for uh, some other players. You know, we, we started talking about the, the Cadeau stuff, you know, I guess a month, maybe two months ago. What does the conversation between the staff and a player like Stevenson sound like?
2: Yeah. You know, honestly, I think we haven't said this, but I think those discussions started with Stevenson some time ago. Uh, just because it, it, it was something that he was considering, but I think wanted to see how the year played out. And that's where he is now kind of, he has to make one, a college decision and two, a decision on, as we said, whether or not he's going to go to college next year or go um, in his normal class, which would be 2024. I think some of the conversations are, you know, as it relates to UNC, and I'm sure other schools are kind of what are your expectations for playing time. Because considering you are, reclassing up, you know, there's going to be grow, growing pains. There's going to be uh, adjustments. So it, it might not be the smoothest process in the beginning. So are you okay, you know, coming off the bench? Are you okay not starting? Are you okay maybe not getting a certain amount of shots or, you know, maybe playing a certain position versus one that you hope to play in the future? So I think all that stuff is, is discussed. And if, if you're clear and you communicate well, I think, uh, you know, the two parties, whether it be at UNC or elsewhere, uh, should have just have a good understanding of what the expectations are. You know, we we go back to Gigi because that's the most recent reclass that has affected UNC. <laughs> the expectations were very clear for, I don't, can't remember the South Carolina coach's name, but between him, uh, Coach Paris, between Coach Paris and, and the Jackson family, it was very clear it was that he's going to go in, he's going to be the guy, he's going to probably take the most shots, he's going to have the ball in his hand, you know, he's going to be able to kind of do I don't say whatever he wants, but he's, you know, it's, it's a la carte out there, or excuse me, carte blanche out there for him. Uh, So I think that expectation was clear and everybody understood. So that's what the conversation is. It's just getting clarity on each side so that no one is surprised when, you know, a a reclass player is not playing a lot of minutes or is playing a lot of minutes. Just, there shouldn't be any surprises. And I think that's the conversations that staffs are, you know, across the country uh, have with guys who want to reclass.
1: And and I think, Joey, just one, one quick thing, you know, last year, the last live period was able to watch Ian Jackson play and we did an inside Carolina interview with him afterwards. And at that time, one of the questions was, Hey, are you, are you thinking about reclassing? And one, he had just played on the USA U 17 gold medal winning team (laughs) Two, He was on the U 17 circuit already, uh, pretty much doing whatever he wanted. So you're looking at a guy going into his junior year of high school and like, well, what else? Can he do next next spring and summer that it, that he hasn't already done? Obviously, right now he's showing still improvement. Uh, but Stevenson hasn't, you know, played on the USA basketball circuit. Right. He hasn't been involved, and in, he's he's played UIBL, but he's been always been playing, you know, 16s and now seventeen. So he's still pretty new, just in terms of the, I'd say, a more competitive environment, and that definitely concerns and, and scares me a little bit in terms of that that first year adjustment.
0: So I want to take a great question that somebody asked here in the chat, and this is one of the things I'm trying to adapt to, uh, as we as we get further into these live shows. But a great question from Brett Weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not from uh, Brett Weeks, from Mark Cole. <laughs> uh, how does uh, Jaron Stevenson compare to Zayden High? Why does that matter? Because if Stevenson were to reclass and take one of these roster spots, you know, he and Zayden High are all of a sudden likely vying for the same minutes. What am I missing, Sean?
1: I think uh, Zayden High is. Despite the the low percentage, definitely more uh, comfortable around the three point line and and more of I'd say a spot up five uh, that can toggle to the four. Uh, Where Stevenson, I think, can put the ball on the floor is is a little has better agility, is able to do more stuff with the ball, Uh, so more athletic. uh, Not the shooter that I think Zayden High can become, Uh, but you know you look at you do look at Stevenson's free throw percentage, which is around seventy four percent and you're not, you know, the shot isn't, despite, uh, which, you know, the the stats Terrell mentioned there, there, I think there's the ability to work on the shot, um, and, and see an improvement, but Stevenson definitely more, more mobile, more versatile, higher, higher ceiling, um, Stevenson or sorry, uh, Zayden high, just a little bit bigger, stronger, uh, better, uh, outside shooter, but Stevenson definitely the higher, higher potential and higher prospect.
0: Awesome. Appreciate that breakdown, man. I think it's, uh, I think that's valuable for folks to consider because then we, we don't know if, if Steven's going to reclass, but we do know that it's, you know, it's been on the table for some time. Uh, Sherelle, how do you feel about moving on to, uh, talking about some, um, a wrap of Elliot Cadeau's AAU career? Because I will say my man decided to put everything on tape for session four. Uh, I'm going to throw out some stats. Elliot Cadeau, again, uh, we have been remarking about his film and what he's been able to do on this EYBL summer so far. In session four, uh, it, it was uh, this was I think it was today. Um, Twenty nine points, fifteen assists, three rebounds, and one steal. Sherelle, am I am I am I getting too giddy? I know we know where Sean stands with this, but I'm usually somewhat tempered. I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, man, this 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 kid has uh, has some goods.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not really much else to say. I mean, he has shown basically at every level uh, from when he started playing up to uh, 17th in ninth grade all the way up to, to now that he belongs and that he is one of the better point guards in the class, the, the best point guard probably in the class, maybe the best point guard in high school. And I, I think um, coming into this spring, you kind of knew it, but you wanted to see him solidify it. And I think he's done everything he needed to do to solidify it. And that kind of goes with the idea about the reclass is like normally, again, I'm normally 100% against it. I just I just not a fan. And maybe that's me living in the Stone Ages. And, and me and Roy need to go have some okra and, and talk about the good old times. But whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. you can talk about old stuff. You can judge things as being antediluvian and, and way out there. But I will not have you besmirching okra on this here show, sir. I know where you're Fair from. Down. You know where I'm from. We will not say anything negative about okra, especially coming into okra season. Now okay, I will remove I will, myself from my pedestal and allow you
2: to continue. I will choose another, another vegetable that when fried is delicious. Uh, there you go. But the, the point of all of that is to say <laughs> uh, I'm normally not a fan of it, but I think there's really nothing left for him to do or prove and it's kind of like if he spent another year in high school there's there's not a point is he would be bored it, and i think honestly i think that's some of what happened uh this year on, on the EYBL circuit at times mm. he's played i mean he's played well the whole time don't get me wrong but you can kind of see when he's challenged and how he takes it up to another gear so i think that's kind of what's been happening is that he realized at some point or realizes that hey i'm i'm that much better than everybody else and it's not like we said when we interviewed him, he said it's not a cocky thing, it's just a confidence thing. Yeah. Uh so it it's kinda like there's there's really nothing else to prove. There's really nothing else to say. Like he does it all. And you know, his last game uh of the CYBL session, um, if he doesn't decide to reclass, you know, Peace jam is in July. But uh if if this was it, it was it was quite a way to go out. Twenty nine points, fifteen assists, kind of doing everything. Um yeah, there's not much to say. He's just he's a really good player and it's been fun to watch over the last I guess, two months, him, you know, solidify himself as the, you know, point guard in high school basketball.
0: The kid has absolutely found another gear. All right, Sean, I'm going to gonna, gonna kind of reset things for you here. You were very much like, I've seen what I need to see with this kid, bring him to college now. Having these, you know, these EYBL weekends where you've had a chance to watch him and see some, not just, you know, live stuff, but see film, have you changed? Like, are you even farther that you know? <laughs> let me go. Let me drive to his house and bring him to college. Like, where do you, where do you stand, having seen him this summer? Like Sherelle said, he's he he he's proven what there is to be proved. I think, uh, Sean, I want to see where 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 do you fall because you've been a big proponent. Uh, you have been very pro okra for quite some time. So where 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 do you fall?
1: I have been pro okra since the first time I had it at timeout <laughs> uh, in uh, probably 2000 and fall of 2002. So yeah, I, I do agree Look at you, that. England. Look at
0: you England for a sponsorship. I hear you. <laughs> um,
1: I mean, in, in terms of Cadeau, I'd say I'm usually pretty tempered in, uh, my expectations for, for players. And I, so I don't want to go crazy with him. Uh, cause I, I think there are, you know, once again, that jump up is, is significant, but I think with him, the one thing I was looking at was, you know, from a scoring perspective, what was he going to do, uh, coming in, you know, he, he had played with some of those guys last year on the 17 under circuit, but now this is his, his final year. We know he can pass. We know his vision. Uh, so how is he going to be as a scorer as well as, a, as, uh, his ability to shoot from the outside? I think that's going to be the big question mark. Uh, and I think from the latter part in his high school stage, uh, you know, his three point shooting has continued to improve. Uh, it's not at a, you know, Steph Curry volume where he's going to be hitting five or six, but he shot 37% uh, throughout the EYBL from, from three. Uh, He's shown the ability to hit from, from deep. So I think where, you know, if he is reclassing, if he can, if he can just make defenders respect the three point shot and not always go under pick and roll screens, that's just going to open up so much uh, in general. And I think, you know, we've talked about UNC hasn't had a player with this vision since Kendall Marshall. Uh, and and I think, especially after the last two seasons, probably my biggest frustration point this past year was watching the lack of fast break basketball. Usually, uh, you know, (laughs) at the beginning of the season went through three of the first game, three, three or four of the first games. It was around 72 pass or sorry, 72 dribbles to four passes across all the transition plays. And I think with this, you're just getting, Somebody whose skill set is completely different. Um, so I'm not driving to his house to, to pick him up and drive him down to Chapel Hill, but I, I am definitely excited uh, for the potential and what he can bring and, and what he can also unlock out of, out of a lot of the other players.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What
0: would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates
2: may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I a couple of things to add. I think, Sean, your last point is a good one about uh, what he can add to the players. There's a lot of questions about how, if he does reclass, he may fit with R.J. Davis in the backcourt. And to that, I would say guys generally like playing with people who make them better. And if there's one thing we've seen Cadeau be able to do over the course of his high school career is to make everyone around him better. There are guys on his AAU team who uh, this year, let's say, their profile was not as high maybe last year. Mm -hmm. And because – I don't want to say it's the only reason because obviously they can improve. But one of the reasons that they're going to get better offers than they had a year ago is because they played with a point guard like Cadeau who gets them into the right offense, who gets them in their spots, who throws lobs, who pushes tempo. And just makes everything easier for them. So when people bring up the chemistry question, I I, I get it just because it's, you're adding another talented player who likes to have the sure. ball in his hand. But I also respond with, well, he's going to make you better. He's gonna He's going to make things easier for you. So who doesn't want someone who makes things easier for them? So I would say that for the people who have questions about chemistry. And then the only other thing I wanted to add was, for me, a big question was, I think You know, we've had this argument, not argument, discussion about true point guard versus lead point guard. And really, that's just semantics about whether or not that particular player can score. So for me, the biggest thing uh, for Cadeau was, you know, can he score? Will he be able to go out and get you 15 or 20, you know, if you need to? Will he be able to keep defenses honest? And I'll just give you this uh, segment we like to call Reading Stats from a Stat page. This is the last two EYBL sessions, and these are his point totals, point totals, 23, 11, 22, 22, 16, 20, 16, 16, 29. So I think that kind of answers the question right now with his ability against, you know, inarguably the best players in high school basketball, he's able to score 20 points pretty much every game if he wants to. So that answered that question for me about the scoring.
0: I want to ask both of you, again, you guys watch a ton more ball than I do, especially at this level. One of the things that jumps off the screen at me about his game is how effortless he makes it look. I think that is really uncommon for a point guard. And again, a guy that's, you know, he's not huge. It's not like he's he's bodying guys at his position. It's not like he's, you know, 6'5", 6'6", you know, the big NBA type point guard. Help me understand. Is it just that he's that much better? Is it that it's he's that much more confident? Is it he's that much more comfortable with the ball in his hand? Is it is it a hodgepodge of all of those? Sean, I'll go to you first.
1: I mean, we, you know, going back to the the winter time, we talked about uh, how his measurements at the basketball without borders, how that compared to uh, really going back to the NBA combine testing history, uh, just from the lane agility and uh, the explosiveness. So I think. And that was actually one of the my concerns going back to EYBL of last year was his ability to create space off the dribble. It, it almost seemed like he he needed two moves uh, to do that a lot of the time. And I, I think that's been one thing. You know, you mentioned from a, a size perspective, he's not 6'4", 6'5", but he's he's tough, he's quick, um, he's explosive when he does get get into the into the lane, um, and he's he's smart. So I, I think that that basketball IQ and you know, got to watch when he did play the two games with Sweden, um, in the FIBA World Cup qualifiers. I mean, he's going, you know, they're playing, uh, Germany and Estonia. Germany was, uh, you know, all those guys are playing professional European basketball, um, anywhere from the German BBL, which is an extremely strong league. And they're six, four strong, uh, all the way up to the Euro league. And you could tell he was, he was young and he was, he was small, but you could also tell he had he had that quickness, um, you know, which a lot of those guys did not have. Uh, so it was still an adjustment playing against bigger, taller, more veteran players. But he did have that quickness, um, and I think combine that with his his passing ability, and you have two things that can, um, you know, help break down defenses, even if uh, defenders staying with him. Real
0: same
2: question. Could you repeat the question, please? I want to make sure I answer it correctly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Go ahead. No, that's fair. Just noting how effortless he looks when he's playing. Right. And again, we're Sean mentioned his measurables. Um, he's not the biggest kid in the world. I just, I, from my untrained eye, it looks as if he's, it all feels easy to him. And I was just asking, is that, is that confidence? Is it that he's just so comfortable with the ball in his hand? Is it just that it is that easy for him? And just to help, help us understand.
2: I, I think Sean, Nailed a, a lot of it. it. You know that that quickness is a huge part of it, and that you know that first step. He he kind of. It, it's like a receiver who who's going uh, or a receiver who's out on a route, and mm-hmm. uh, you just see the defensive back get shook because just when that one. When he plants subtle, his foot, and when he plants his foot, it's just that one subtle move. Not saying that's all he has. But that's he, a, that's a good analogy. He's he's really good at that. Um, just that first step, and before the defender knows it, he's already he's already past them, and he's looking again, he's already looking at the past after the past once he gets by that, you know, with that first step. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. Uh, some of it, honestly, this is not to sound cheesy, but it's it's innate. I mean, there are just certain people who see stuff that other people don't see. Um, we, we always go back to Kendall Marshall when we, when we talk about that. Uh, and, you know, we asked Cadeau, we said basically, like, how'd you become a point guard? And he was like, I just I've always been it. And I've found that when guys kind of have that feeling of I've always done it, and I've always done it at this level that much better than everybody. There's something there that we, we can't quite quantify other than to say they have it. And I think part of it is he just he has it. Um, and then, of course, you have to work hard and, and enhance those talents. But some things he's just got that other people don't have.
0: I've heard the Kendall Marshall comparisons, but I'm going to pop some in the chat. Or somebody listening to this later on when I say this, Cado Cota, Cado There There's some similarities in the wording there. I will say on some of those, some of his highlight passes where it looks like he's got the ball on a string, it's very Ed Cota ish. Uh, one of the things I think that is so about his game that looks so easy is it's almost like he's shopping at Johnny T shirt, right? Like it looks that effortless and that seamless. It's as if he is on his, his handheld device, just, you know, perusing the selection at Johnny t-shirt.com. It looks just that second nature to him. And uh, I would wonder if he would be like a, an elite level shopper, at Johnny t-shirt where he'd check it out. I uh, want to give a big shout out to Johnny t-shirt. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, we have not, the three of us been together recently to do a show, but Johnny t-shirt is still with us and continues to support the work that we do. So we're thankful for Johnny T-Shirt and for all the support they give us. Uh, if you are looking for a Father's Day present, are a father, and are looking for a, a present for yourself, or trying to tell someone in your family to purchase something for you for Father's Day, go to johnnytshirt.com. Check out all the new stuff they've dropped in the sale category if you want to save a little bit of money. If not, you just want to save your, uh, your extra 10% off the top, use that promo code found on the premium message board, save your 10% off their already amazing prices, and you too can be an effortless shopper like we assume Elliot Cadeau is. All right, guys. Last thing uh, on the, I guess, the, the prep side of things. Drake Powell continues to astound. Uh, I get the vibe, and we saw it uh, recently. Sherell, I can't remember, was it, uh, was it London or was it Branham that said he's going to get a bump uh, in, in the rankings?
2: Right, Travis said that.
0: Yeah, so Travis yeah. Branham said recently he felt very strongly that, uh, that Drake Powell in a write-up, I guess last week, maybe the week before, he felt like Drake Powell was going to get – another bump in the, the new rankings that'll be out very soon. Uh, Sean, what else have you seen from Drake? Again, the numbers have kind of been all over the place, but despite the numbers being all over the place, his play has looked more consistent, I think, than it did last year at this time. Would you agree?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would fully agree in terms of going into that first EYBL session of what do we want to see from him last year. Mm-hmm. In general, very uh, very passive, uh, fitting fitting in with the team versus standing out and obviously the first EYBL session MVP of it, um, pretty much spectacular in terms of what he brought to the table and sure I got to see that in person. Um, and the numbers came down. I, I mean, I think one of the, uh, things we were looking for was that three point percentage and how was he going to shoot the ball, uh, at this level. And, you know, after the, the, the first live period looked looked pretty good. Um, you know, the numbers trended towards that at Stevenson uh, percentage that we were talking about in the, I want to say in the twenties again. Um, but I think just from his offensive ability and and Trevor Marks did a, uh, an analysis a few weeks ago, but I think just, um, you know, that he has that size, that athleticism, uh, the ability to, to move off the, you know, to, to take people off the dribble um, and kind of that all around, all around game. So I think he, you know it'll be interesting to see where he he lands i know he got a big jump last time uh but you think back to last year and the question was is he going to get you know is he going to get an offer uh he wasn't the first wing to to get one but he's proven maybe to have uh be better and have more potential than a lot of the ones that um did not commit to unc so uh you know this one this past in in memphis was around 11 points a game uh but i think he was able to you know rebound show his athleticism and i think can have a extreme uh, impact on the defensive end as well.
0: Trell, I'm going to ask you, what have what have you seen uh, more out of Drake Powell? And, and just what is your natural reaction when you hear about uh, another potential climb in the rankings for him?
2: I, I think this when you start to see, uh, we saw production that first weekend, and we're still seeing some production, but I think you're starting to see now the potential, as far as the rankings is concerned, start to outbalance the production just a little bit. Again, not saying he hasn't played well, but when you look at Drake Powell, like he's a you know wiry six six, you know kind of six six and a half wing with a lot of athleticism who plays really smart, um, and that is that's kind of what the NBA looks for now. Like if the if an NBA general manager could get five six six guys who are wiry, who are athletic, and play good defense and had high basketball IQs, they'd be fine with that. Um, that's such a coveted position, and I think for people who rank uh, players, part of the job is, is to project into the NBA. Are they going to be a first round pick, all that kind of good stuff. And I think Pal has shown now all the traits necessary to be that guy. Um, and he also showed, shows kind of the intermittent, I would call it production, uh, requisite to being an a immediate impact player in college as well. So I think you're seeing those two kind of things balanced out when, when guys talk about him, uh, going higher in the rankings despite him not maybe playing as well as he did those first couple of sessions so it's 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 always a balance but uh i think carolina fans again should be ecstatic because he just it it, you just see the potential just as he plays as he does things you're like oh my gosh like if he just you know gets a little bit stronger and you know if he just if he's just a little more consistent here you're like this this guy could be a top five pick and and I'm not obviously I'm not saying he's going to be, but I think that's where the ranking rise will probably come from, because to be honest, his play the last month and a half probably um, doesn't match it from the production side. But that potential is there. And it's hard to ignore once you've seen it live and uh, in form. Like it, it's like, OK, this is what they're talking about. So that I think that's kind of where things stand with him Uh and he'll continue to get better because there's one thing we learned about Drake Powell is that he's a worker. Uh, I think talking to his dad, I think he's in the gym. He drives himself to the gym every single day uh, at, like, 530 a.m. He works out by himself and just goes to goes about his business. Uh, so guys like that tend to just continue to improve.
0: Hashtag grind all-star. Hey, Sherell, for the folks who aren't NBA fans uh, listening to this or watching this, what is the NBA draft based upon?
2: Uh, potential.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. that's, again, for folks that haven't seen Drake Powell yet, whether it be uh, on tape or in person, um, he he fits the build and you you can always see flashes uh, like Sherelle and Sean have been mentioning. All right, fellas, let's do something a little different. I'm going to try to take some questions from the folks that are in the chat. They've made the time to join us live, um, so we'll try to see if we can't get a couple more of those. Sherelle, uh, somebody asked earlier, and I can't remember who it was, but uh, I'm going to go back and see if I can find it. But the question was, is North Carolina done in the portal? Uh, I would ask you right now, based on what you know, and that comes from our guy, Brett Weeks. Do you feel like North Carolina is done in the transfer portal uh, for the season?
2: I'll answer it this way. We don't know anyone that they are currently uh, talking with or uh, that they've shown interest in. However, you know, the, back to our key points, the players have until um, – the 31st to, to exit the NBA draft. And then there's no deadline for someone who's already entered the portal uh, back at the original deadline, an undergraduate to commit somewhere. And then graduate transfers can decide to transfer kind of whenever they want to. Um, so at the moment it appears no, but I, I think you shouldn't close that door or shouldn't assume that they won't add someone if there someone comes along that they really like. But I think for the most part, I, I you know, in the next couple of weeks, you'll know the majority of the team, probably about 98 to 99% of the team, uh, the slots will be full. And then they're likely to have at least one scholarship and they can, you know, they, again, random big man graduate transfer who wants to get 10 minutes behind Armando Baycott could decide to transfer and, you know, on June 18th and you want to have a scholarship available. So I think it's just kind of wait and see. And, uh if not i think they'll be happy with the 11 or 12 guys they they have on the roster um but you always have to be looking to to see if someone else is out there i hope that answers the question so let me let me me answer more succinctly more than likely yes but never say never
0: we can't confirm that (laughs) we can't confirm that they're done nobody's going to go on record and say they're done sean uh what what holiday will you be uh, celebrating for the first time coming up in the next couple of weeks (laughs)
1: Ah, uh, the one you were highlighting with with Johnny T-shirt, Father's Day. Ah,
0: Father's Day. That's right. And I believe we have said before on the show that folks could judge the roster on Father's Day. Cheryl, you still feel like that's the case?
2: Yeah, I, agreed. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right. I, I think I think we'll have a much better feel for where things stand. Father's Day, Father's Day is only what two and a half weeks, three weeks away. I, mean, I think we're... it's three weeks. Three, three weeks from today. So three weeks. Yeah, from today. I think three weeks. Three weeks from today. Then you can say, okay, they failed, they succeeded. Whatever judgment you want to make about uh, what happened in the offseason, you can kind of go ahead and go forth with that because you'll have enough information of the roster on paper.
0: And we will be here for you if you want to make those, uh, those claims. Uh, Sean, I got a question for you from Thomas Yancey. Do we have a real sniper amongst the transfers?
1: Uh, that, that is a great question. I would say n- no, but I, I do think Cormac Ryan Uh, Has that potential to get closer to that forty percent? You know, then then you have RJ Davis, but um, a sniper, I would say no. But in terms of better shooting, um, you know, between potentially Wojcik off the bench, Cormac Ryan, you know, Jalen Withers spotting up from the corner, and then you know, can Harrison Ingram um, improve? Which I think he can to ideally thirty five. You know, thirty five. Well, I mean that's a big increase, but thirty three to thirty five percent. Um, I think you're going to have a much better shooting team than last year, but not, not, not somebody where you're like, Hey, that, that, that guy's going to be 40 to 44% and it's automatic, like a Brady, Brady manic, uh,
0: Cheryl, I want to ask you, we meant to talk about this earlier and I blew through it. So blame the host on this one. Um, what is your sense for when the transfers will start arriving in Chapel Hill?
2: Uh, so. Uh, Paxton Wojcik told us himself that he expects to be in Chapel Hill on Thursday. That's June 1st. Uh, we haven't talked to Cormac Ryan recently, but when we did speak with him for uh, the story that we wrote a few weeks back, he said he also wanted to be uh, in Chapel Hill by June 1st, which again is Thursday. Uh, and Jalen Withers, we haven't quite gotten any info on him. And then Harrison Ingram is at Stanford, and they are on uh, – it's a like a quarter system or – I forget what it's called. They have three semesters yeah. basically. It's weird. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> they get out of school. Trimesters. Trimester. That's the, there that's the West are. Coast for
1: you. Yeah. So they
2: are done. I think his last day of class is like June 12th or June 13th, something like that. He said he wanted to go home to Dallas for a couple of days and then he would be in Chapel Hill. So I would expect him, same thing, uh, around that Father's Day weekend time frame to, to be in Chapel Hill. As far as the freshmen go, I think uh, you – expect them to start arriving around June 10th. Uh, and, and from there on over the next few days, uh, getting on campus. So you would think everyone will be there. Everyone should be there. Who's going to be playing at Carolina next year by the start of the second summer session, which I think is July 26th, uh, a Monday. So it's usually around be, mid to late July. Yeah. So everyone should be there by that date and they'll start arriving here, uh, over the next four days, I guess. Um, and that, that arrival time would go for basically three weeks.
0: I, I want to ask you a last question, Shreff, before we get out of here. I saw UNC on their social media put out some practice clips the other day. And I swear it looked like they were playing two-on-two two because there just aren't a lot of bodies in Chapel Hill right now. What do you think's going on in those sessions? Um, <laughs> because they do have a handful that they are allowed to do by NCAA standards where the coaching staff can even see them, I think. Um you know what does that look like when you don't have a lot of guys in town?
2: I promise. I thought I saw a, a coach setting a screen or, or coming <laughs> off of a screen <laughs> in one of the highlights. So they're, Huber they're the Davis is out
0: there running, running, uh, running Long Beach with him. Yeah, sure. I, it, I
2: would not be surprised at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you still have a few walk-ons who, who are back, and then you have the four uh, returners who are there, and there are all four of those you would expect to be playing. Uh, some good minutes next season obviously davis and baycott are going to play a ton of minutes but you think washington will take a step and trimble will take a step so um i guess just just trying to get familiar more familiar with each other you can you can do some three on three you know you can supplement with maybe guys who are in the jv team just to get a five on five run uh and just more time on the court i think is is the more time you have on the court together the better so uh, I think that's what you can do in those sessions, work on shooting, you know, just that, that kind of stuff. But um, hopefully come Thursday they'll be able to run you know, five <laughs> on five at least and then kind of grow as, as uh, more players come back. Like
0: you can't even do three on two, two on one more than one time with the amount of guys they have right now. Uh, you'd absolutely put everybody under the bleachers after that. Well, um,
1: I, I don't think they were doing too much of that last year anyway. <laughs> also
0: true. Good point. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, Sean, do you have two pennies you'd like to throw to anybody?
1: No, I mean, it's uh, – what we're talking about is extremely exciting in terms of who still may be, may be added. I think, you know, the one thing for me is uh, – and I saw the question in here, predict the starting lineup, but I think it's it's more than the starting lineup. Predict, you know, how, how are the – line Yeah, the yeah. rotation, the lineups, and, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the coaching staff to try to find that uh, right lineup for that particular game, um, you know, especially as we've seen in the past where play in the first half strongly dictates play in the second half. Uh, you know, you go go to that home game against Wake where Trimble uh, was inserted into a, a three guard lineup that we thought, Hey, this looked really good. Maybe this will, you'll start to see more. And you didn't really. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, between, uh, I think you will see a general increase in um, just toughness and, and attitude, but in terms of chemistry, I mean, these are a lot of guys that will be expecting to play. Um, And, you know, that that's my, my major concern as we get into this of how does everything shake out? Um, Are the people that aren't playing, you know, are they unhappy or are they kind of accepting or will they be able to shine when they do get their moment? So the rotation, I think it will still be for me, the biggest question as we go, how does that, how does that play out?
0: All right, Cheryl, you got two pennies for anybody or are you good to go?
2: Uh, yeah, just two brief ones. The, I think the only UNC commit we haven't talked about is James Brown. And um, I know people have been kind of worried about his numbers and his playing time and him not starting for Mocan. But I think over the last two sessions, you've seen his numbers, uh, especially his minutes, clip up a little bit. And then uh, this past weekend, he had his best scoring game. He had 16 points on 6 of 7 shooting on Saturday. And he followed that up uh with so just solid games he had you know eight points and nine rebounds in limited minutes today uh another 10.6 rebound game on saturday so you're just seeing him slowly get used to i, I think uh his new team and I, I would say i think the hope is as he and a lot of guys go off to individual camps like pangos all-american camp coming up soon mbpa camp coming up soon mm-hmm. um We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, but the scholastic periods with their high schools is that they just continue to, to improve and you see a, a better player, uh, you know, in at Peach Jam in July than you do right now. And now people are like, oh, how can a player get better in a month? It's very possible. And it's happened before. So I think you're looking for that. And then the other thing I wanted to add was um, right now you can see. Uh, what 2025 is basically offering everyone in the top 10. <laughs> uh, we we haven't talked about it really much at all. I wasn't uh, gonna bring
0: it up, but I <laughs> yeah, feel free to go there if you'd like.
2: <laughs> yeah, so obviously Cameron Boozer, um, he has a familiar last name around these parts. The son of Carlos Boozer, is um, the number one player in the class, maybe in high school basketball. Him and Cooper Flag are, are are boxing it out for that one, but he got a Carolina offer. His brother, Caden Boozer, also has a Carolina offer. So Cameron Boozer's number one. We talked about Koopi. He's number three in the country. He has a Carolina offer. Darren Peterson, number four in in the country, has a Carolina (laughs) offer. Caleb Wilson, number eight in the country, has a Carolina offer. And obviously they've been after Isaiah Harwell for a long time. He's number seven in the country. He has an offer. So that is one, two, three, four, five of the top ten in 2025 they've already offered. And you would (laughs) expect, as they watch more over the summer, that the other five guys uh, in the top ten will probably get Carolina offers too. So, as long as they
0: answer the phone, right?
2: Yeah, and, and I, I would say part of that is, you know, they, they've shown in 2024 that they're able to get top guys. They they got the number one point guard in 2024. They got uh, the number one shooting guard in 2024. They have a great shot with uh, the number one or number two power forward in 2024. And they have a great – they already have uh, Drake Powell committed, who's the top 20 player in 2024. So I think maybe they're like, why not? And, and it gives them more time because they finished – months earlier than everybody Absolutely. else to really go in on 2025. So that is one of the storylines that once this roster is finally 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 put in place in, in 3 weeks we can really turn the page and start digging into 2025 more.
0: Yeah, I mean that's I know one of the things that you and Sean like to talk about on this show is is who's is the staff watching. We're interested to see who they're watching during the the peace jam and the later stuff. So uh all right fellas. Well, as always, I'm thankful for you for making your set, making your yourselves available to do this show because nobody wants to just hear me so thank y'all for being here and for the insights you provide hey uh shout out to everybody in the chat i think the 160 folks who who made it for our only second live one of these this is good stuff um and and shout out to johnny t-shirt for sponsoring us we're big fans of theirs and uh and big fans of of their support and for for you know making i see what it is uh, appreciate John Bauman, producer John's help, uh, getting the audio, uh, technical difficulties taken care of earlier in the show and Hey, all of you over there fighting in the chat, let's, let's clean that up for next time. I can't, can't be dealing with anybody, uh, anybody's slap fighting in the chat. We're all here to have fun. Uh, but until next time, this has been the coast to coast here on insidecarolina.com. for Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan. I'm just Joey Powell. We'll catch you guys next time on the coast to coast here on insidecarolina.com.
2: Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig?
0: Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.